pay TV, mobile video, and 5G. And no, we are not afraid to go over the top. I'm Phil Harvey, and you are listening to the Light Reading Podcast. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, where we discuss the people, technology, and finance behind the world's communications networks. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading. And today I'm joined by Jeff Baumgartner and Mike Dano, and we're talking about mobile video and pay TV, two worlds that are getting closer and closer together every day as uh, telcos start turning up 5G networks. Uh, On the one hand, pay TV providers are trying to provide just the right set of services to sell to consumers, both uh, on their old networks, uh, their traditional networks, and also on everyone else's network uh, over the top. And uh, telcos are at the same time rolling out 5G networks. They're looking for ways to get consumers hooked on video products and other transactional type of uh, services that take advantage of all the new 5G capabilities. So we're going to cover a couple of things that are happening right now in the space. We'll talk about Disney, T-Mobile, Verizon, and Comcast. Again, uh, my guests are light reading editors Jeff Baumgartner and Mike Dano, and we will get right after it right after this. Well, the world of pay TV is certainly not sitting still this week. And to help us understand what is going on and who all it affects... Welcome to the podcast, Jeff Baumgartner. Well, thanks, Phil. Good to be with you here. Uh, so, first of all, great to see you uh, last week at the big 5G event. That was a that was a shindig. <laughs> that was fun, yeah. Yeah, learned a lot. Uh, you know, good crowd there. Uh, even some, uh, you know, some things that kind of fit into my world of video and cable and so forth, yeah. Yeah, 5G is just going to, it's just going to get into everybody's business at some point. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> so, right. Yeah, we can't we can't avoid it. But uh, another thing we can't seem to avoid is uh, uh, making me wring my hands about the future of pay TV and uh, over the top television. And um, <laughs> the yeah. the big item, I guess, of, of recent note is that um, Hulu, which uh, was uh, at one time controlled by several companies, is now um going to be mostly controlled by Disney. Right. Yeah. Disney, I guess, uh, right away, yeah, gets, you know, kind of assumes full operational control of Hulu and, uh, you know, and, and already has, uh, you know, majority financial stake in it. And, and we kind of paved the way here you know, in a very complicated multifaceted deal, you know, where Comcast and NBCU, uh, you know, could sell off, you know, their remaining, I guess they have about 33% ownership stake in Hulu, but, uh, you know, that may be sold back to Disney here in the years to come, I guess as early as uh, 2024. So, you know, we got about five years on that one. Okay. So what does that mean for consumers now and possibly down the road um, if Disney's is now the the main company in charge of Hulu? Right. And I think kind of out of the 
the shoot, it's, there's probably not going to be a lot of immediate differences. You know, if you're a Hulu customer, you're going to see, uh, I mean, what it does give Disney is, is, you know, the go ahead, you know, to go ahead and run it, you know, run Hulu the way it wants to and, and maybe implement some changes, you know, without having to ask or, you know, getting others involved to kind of stamp things. And and I think the, the expectation is that, you know, Disney is going to f- try to find uh, some synergies between, you know, Hulu and, and all the direct-to-consumer products that Disney is launching or, you know, putting together. We've got ESPN Plus out there now. I think Disney, Disney Plus is going to come out uh, toward the end of the year. So, right, right. Yeah, so I, I think you know Disney's going to obviously continue to sell ESPN Plus and Disney Plus directly to consumers, but uh, you know they're they're definitely going to use Hulu as a distribution point uh, for those and, and and kind of another way to market those services. Um, I guess the what we'll also have to keep an eye on is whether uh, you know they're, they're going to do similar agreements with other. Pay, uh, pay TV distributors, you know, like Comcast. Mm-hmm. It just seems it's clear. It's pretty clear the idea, you know, is to have a direct-to-consumer product and have that capability, but to really complement that with, you know, pay TV di- uh, distribution and, and kind of spread those those bets around and, you know, make sure that those services are available in the, you know, the, the largest number of ways possible. It's interesting how Hulu's ownership stake has changed over the years because the real, I guess, core appeal or the, the really differentiating factor in Hulu when it was first launched, what was the ownership? The fact that you were, there were, there were what, three content companies that, that or three studios, I guess, that had control of it back then? Yeah. I mean, the ones I remember were, you know, Disney, of course, and, and Fox and, NBCU and then you know so it was kind of a mishmash and then yeah or a mishmash and then you had uh you know Fox you know selling the stake to Disney and you know Time Warner had a piece of it as well I think around a 10% piece and you know right. went over to AT&T and you know AT&T is now selling that off and and uh you know now I think we you know with the the Disney Comcast deal you know we finally have something that will kind of maybe seal the the final fate of Hulu, mm-hmm. you know, that is if Comcast ends up selling its financial stake as well. But, uh, and I think in the beginning, they all kind of got in not really knowing, you know, what the OTT world was going to have in store. And, and you kind of saw Hulu uh, try some different, you know, models, you know, free ad supported subscription VOD, you know, kind of a hybrid. Yeah thing and then they added live tv i mean they've been a lot of different um things and taken a lot of different approaches but um you know now it's it's a paid tv distributor and an svod service and you know i think that um you know it kind of turns disney into a paid tv provider all of a sudden yeah that's uh, that's what i was wondering is um you know this this week especially in in Alan's reporting and your reporting uh, both AT&T and Comcast have had positive things to say about the future of over the top uh video and and or or uh what do you call it SVODs uh what's what's SVOD just so everybody has that acronym under yeah, their belt like, like subscription video on demand so okay. uh, I kind of lump things like you know netflix in there and yeah and you know, one part of hulu and then yeah you know you mentioned 
AT&T and, you know, they, they're planning to, to introduce like three different types of SVOD services uh, uh, later this year. So, um, yeah, everyone's kind of, like I said, kind of spreading their bets around and, and complementing, you know, the traditional pay TV model with, with some of these other direct-to-consumer components. That's where I think it's interesting is that, um, I mean, it's interesting because for a consumer, it still seems to be getting more complicated. The, the, you know, necessarily so because there's more choice than ever, but the, you know, uh, it's hard to figure out all the different uh, uh, what's available and what's not. Um, in the background, I hear your uh, your bat phone ringing. Uh, is 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 is, is, that a, is there a source on the line that we need to talk to? No, no. This is a. It looks like we have a uh, uh, a uh, a spam call, kind of a oh, robo okay. call. So we'll we'll ignore it. All right. Speaking of AT and T, wish wish yeah. they would put the kibosh on those things. But um, does does Disney's ownership <laughs> of Hulu make make Disney a more um, I guess a more uh, menacing competitor to like AT&T and Comcast and some of these traditional uh, network operators who also run pay TV services. Yeah, I think it has the potential uh, to do just that and maybe provide something that's a little bit different. Yeah, and I think that some of that depends on whether Disney decides to you know put some exclusive wraps you know on the content. Yeah, and use that to kind of stand apart. Um, uh, I'm not, it's, it's not clear if that's if that's going to happen, right? Because even yeah. when I go back to like AT and T, you know, they the CEO indicated this week that you know even its new subscription VOD products are going to be offered to the pay TV guys as well. You know, but um, it just seems like we we have a lot of different options that are that are going to be out there and yeah. uh it's going to be more difficult to differentiate without holding stuff back on an exclusive basis but you know disney is also a programmer in a studio and for its content you know it's going to want with all that investment that it puts in they're going to want the widest possible distribution so yeah uh yeah i, I think it, it it might make sense for them to kind of put a uh like maybe a limited exclusive on some of that content, you know, just to uh, give its own service, you know, some form of an advantage and, you know, maybe release it to others uh, a little bit later. You know, we'll just kind of have to see how that, how they put that together. That's going to be the real interesting thing here. So, I mean, for Netflix, you know, and for, I guess for uh, uh, Apple TV plus, uh, the the name of the game is original content that they you know came up, that they commissioned or paid for themselves that they own exclusively that nobody else can have. Um, you see a little bit of that going on uh, in Hulu, and I guess we'll we'll have to look at other ways. Uh, these ones that have the, these companies that have both studio. And, and create content, uh, studio assets, and they create content, but they also have uh, a pay TV business and an SVOD distribution to to take care of. Um, yeah, they're going to have to be really creative how they balance exclusivity and, um, you know, kind of premium content with cutting off their, uh, 
nose in spite of their face, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's that's going to be the balancing act. Is you know you got to you have to have exclusive content to stand apart, but uh, you know how much can you actually spend on that and and kind of um, uh, you know what what's the the payback model? You know, because yeah. a traditional studio does it one way. You know, Disney has a certain idea on how. You know, it, it's been, you know, in, in this business forever and, and, and knows when you create a new show, uh, you know, the, the value, the lifetime value of it. And, you know, Netflix, on the other hand, is spending, um, you know, just billions of dollars. And, uh, you know, the model on how they, they end up monetizing it is a little bit different, you know, because yeah. they they kind of have their, their grips on it. Um, and, that, and then even... You know, uh, Charter, you know, is, is going to produce uh, some originals as well. I mean, a very small number. But, uh, you know, so I, I think it's, um, you know, everyone has kind of a different approach to it in terms of, you know, the the, the money and, and the volume, you know, they're, that they're going to apply to that kind of strategy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's just not getting any... Uh, uh, any more settled, but, uh, but, but I guess everybody sees a different part of the market and they all see a lot of opportunity because of the uh, proliferation of mobile devices and the fact that people are, uh, are getting, uh, uh, more and more willing to cut the cord. Um, well, we'll keep, we'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully you'll keep an eye on it. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Five G is definitely on its way one of these days, and each one of the telcos has a completely different approach to video. Wouldn't you know it? Here to help us sort out some of that, or at least some of the most recent happenings, is uh, Light Readings Mike Dano. Hello, hello, Mike. hello. How are you? I'm good. And uh, you've been at a uh, uh, a worlds are colliding. You were at the five G, the big five G event last week, learning all about five G. And uh, this week you went to Fierce's uh, pay TV event where somehow or another 5G came up yet again. Yeah, of course. Well, it's, what is it? It's like all the same companies that are going to both of those <laughs> things. And, you know, it's like, it's the it's almost all the same faces to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, um, and, and it's interesting uh, that the, you know, what's, what's going to drive a lot of uh, 5G usage, I guess, is going to be video um, and, and that's where a lot of the both the opportunity and the challenge is going to be because the um the, the challenge of course in not just providing the video but providing video uh enabled services that that people are uh that people find irresistible somehow um <laughs> that's going to be the the big thing but uh talking about the different you know uh carriers and how they're approaching video I guess I, I'm most interested, first of all, in T-Mobile's video strategy because they've recently launched a pay TV competitor and they're not a traditional pay TV powerhouse. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a, I have a, I have, I have a distinctly negative view of what uh, T-Mobile has done up to this point. Mm -hmm. um, there's 
plenty of reasons for that on their side. But, you know, I'm coming from the perspective of having gone to the pay TV, the same, the same exact event that, that I went to this week. I went to the same event last year uh-huh. at this time. And uh, uh, Jeff Bender, who is the founder of Layer 3 TV, uh, had had just joined T-Mobile through the T-Mobile acquisition of Layer 3 TV. Okay. And so and so he was at the he he represented T-Mobile uh, at the event last year, and his and I sat down with him. His whole thing was about like we're going to blow you out of the water. Uh, cable video is awful. Um, <laughs> the the service that T-Mobile will launch. You know, he said this last year, so it was supposed to launch by the end of last year. He said the service that we'll launch, you know, at the end of 2018 is going to be amazing. It's going to be completely disruptive. It'll blow your socks off and you can't you can't possibly believe it. I mean, that was I mean, that was his exact message Hmm. for a good 45 minutes, you know, of of his appearance. Well, here here we are a year (laughs) later, you know, and it and it it couldn't look any more different. He is gone from T-Mobile. Uh, and T-Mobile did launch something. They they didn't launch it at the end of last year, but they did launch it earlier this year. However, what they launched was a, a, there was it was uh, there was nothing new to it. It was a rebranded Layer Three TV service. Uh, Layer Three, you know, had initially launched sort of a a test service uh, in mm. a handful of markets, and um, and so T-Mobile basically just put it, slapped its brand on that offering and. And called it good, and and now they're they're selling that in a in a in a handful in a handful of mar- in a in a slightly nar- larger number of markets. They're going to expand throughout this year. Now, to be fair, uh, T-Mobile has said that they're going to um, launch additional video services uh, later this year and into next year. You know, and they're they're talking about if they're able to merge with Sprint, then they'll have this like big uh, fixed wireless offering that will also have a video component. And so, you know, the pieces of their plan are sort of you know, either in limbo or might fall into place later this year. But, you know, the fact remains that, you know, they, they talked this up. I mean, they really right. talked up the layer three stuff. And and to say that they have under delivered is a dramatic understatement. Yeah. And it's taken exactly zero market share from pay TV, pr- traditional pay TV providers, from what I, mean, I can I, tell. Yeah, I got to admit, I got to imagine that the people over at Charter and Comcast are just laughing their ass off right now. Having listened to John Ledger at T-Mobile and other people at T-Mobile talk about how you know terrible cable is and how they're yeah. going to disrupt everything. And, and here they are with an offering that is not only is it not disruptive, it's 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 not really as good as what cable is offering today, Is in my opinion. I just, I mean, I'm not a big TV watcher, but there's just nothing there that is interesting. Yeah, I gave it a quick look. I'm kind of in the process of evaluating some of my pay TV options. And uh, it it seemed to be as or more expensive than most satellite or traditional cable offerings with um, not as much flexibility as all of the OTT <laughs> products that are there. Exactly. So, so it somehow if... found the middle ground of being the, the worst in both categories. <laughs> right. Which doesn't strike me as disruptive, but it's, uh, yeah. It's, it's upsetting. Something. It's not really disruptive. Right. <laughs> Is that the same exactly. thing? <laughs> that's the saddest. I think the the word that they were looking for that they missed with disruptive. What they were what they meant to say was it's it's going to be upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a that's good marketing right there. Oh well. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll hold our breath and see what happens with their uh, their their yet to come offerings because I mean I, you know if they have the ability to deliver mass market video via their mobile network that's clearly. Um, 
you know, an advantage and they've already done some, you know, T-Mobile did do a very savvy thing with the Netflix, uh, subscription giveaway, um, you know, to, to, uh, they, they don't penalize people for watching Netflix on their devices and they give them, uh, uh, when you buy the unlimited plan, they give you a Netflix subscription. So that's, that's a, um, that's going about it the right way, I think. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think that, yeah, they've, T-Mobile has definitely proven that they can be disruptive, and that's why it's so disappointing to see them really stumble uh, in this particular aspect of, yeah. of, of it. Yeah. Now, how do they contra- uh, you know, compare or contrast with Verizon? Because Verizon, um, oh, and speaking of disruptive, I have to make an, a programming note, everybody. Uh, Rosie the cat is uh, very close to uh, uh, a late lunch, and she is uh, trying to get my attention to feed her, which I will do soon, but... Uh, in the in the meantime, you're just going to have to listen to her bell collar and her uh, her pleading to uh, get my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear uh, you. You're starving your cat. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I just 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 at least in her mind, I am. <laughs> um, the uh, but yeah. So Verizon, um, you know, to kind of compare contrast all the different uh, carriers and what they're doing with video, especially as it relates to mobile video. Um, you know, they went down the path of being a pay TV provider with Fios and then they kind of, you know, backed off of it a, a bit. They, they, they don't really seem to push, uh, Fios, the pay TV service that much, uh, anymore. You don't see it, hardly any of their advertising has anything to do with Fios. And in some markets they sold their Fios network and now frontier runs it. Um, so it seemed like they, they, you know, uh, really went after that market hard and then decided it wasn't profitable or interesting enough. And now they're, um, now they're doing some stuff in mobile video. Do they, do they have a pay TV like play in that area? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for Verizon's, you know, sort of wireless mobile 5g video play, I think it is, it is, it is unclear where that is headed. They have some things that they're doing in video, um, but there, right now, there is no cohesive video story, you know, like a AT&T has, or even a T-Mobile, you know, they have a cohesive video story. It's kind of a disaster, but at least they have a cohesive story. <laughs> right. A, a Verizon, on the other hand, is, uh, you know, I think they're kind of in between uh, video strategies right now. And, and honestly, I would expect their video strategy to become more clear in the months and years to come. I'm, I, I, I. I have no doubt that they'll that they'll try something else, having um, really completely completely uh, uh, fallen apart on their on their plan to to tackle the OTT video space. You know, they had made an acquisition of uh, I think it was from Intel. It was the OnQ business from Intel, and then they right. had this deal yeah. with Redbox. Uh, yeah. They were going to go an OTT route and and challenge you know the likes of Hulu and stuff, but. Uh, they they basically gave up on that, and now they're pulling back from from practically all the video you know efforts that they had been doing. Um, so yeah, I think it's fair to say that they they had some grand ambitions, pulled back from it. Probably a good idea, honestly, um, just based on the amount of uh, competition that's in the you know sort of OTT video space right now. Um, and so we're kind of waiting to see what their video strategy is going to be. And we've gotten some hints, uh, particularly as we head into 5G. Um, they have a big deal with YouTube. Uh, and at the show this week, uh, the one of the Verizon executives there suggested that that deal with YouTube TV would be would expand. 
uh, uh-huh. in, in, in the, in the second half of this year. Um, so I would not be surprised at all to see Verizon offer a YouTube TV service to all of its wireless customer base, uh, in some form or another. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, they also have some interesting deals. They've got some, this kind of interesting deal with NFL for 5g. They got an interesting deal with, uh, New York times for 5g. And basically it's just a test. It's like, you know, what are you going to do with this 5g? What, what can we do with this 5g? So, um, so I think we'll see, we'll see things develop um, from Verizon on those fronts. And then uh, finally is, uh, I think what I found most interesting is that Verizon and some of the other speakers at the show this week um, talked a little bit about sort of, you know, far in the future kind of stuff. And one of the things that they talked about was, you know, they, they made this sort of general comments about virtual reality and augmented reality. But I thought the thing that was interesting was they talked about uh, real-time sports betting uh-huh. and and creating some video content around that. And I think that that is particularly interesting because it plays into um, the speeds and latency available from 5G. Uh, uh, and so I think that there, I think that there's something there. I think probably everybody's sort of working on it right now, but you know, there was a Supreme court decision that allowed sports betting across the U S this is a new thing. Uh, and companies are, some companies are jumping into it with both feet, including Fox. Um, and so I think we're going to see more activity, uh, in real time sports betting and in sporting content Mm. related to 5g networks in the future. I think that's good. That's going to be an area of focus. Yeah, that's interesting. That was gonna. That was. I, I was gonna ask you about sort of how these business models are gonna evolve, and that's definitely um, uh, that hits the nail on the head. I mean, um, y- you take something like sports betting, y- you not only have that, uh, you know, that fan component to it because it's sports, but you also have the whole thing of, like you said, the latency issue. I mean, because that's that's a lot like trading. You, your financial trading, you really have to, um, if you're betting in game or something like that, you really have to get those transactions done at lightning fast speed, or it doesn't matter, um, or, or you're likely to miss out. And, uh, I'm not saying that would be a, a, a morally good use of the technology, but it is a very interesting one. <laughs> yes. It could be a very profitable one. I think for yeah. sure, you know, even, uh, uh, Verizon, uh, in the past, and then they reiterated at this show, they also talked about how, you know, they own Yahoo finance, they own Yahoo, they own Yahoo right. finance is one of the yeah. sites. And, and, and they have talked about how, you know, low latency services for wall street trading, on the Yahoo Finance platform might be something that they would look at too. So I think that there there are uh, services, uh, sports betting, um, stock trading that that would benefit from a from a low latency five G connection potentially. It's also a fair bet to give to give Verizon some credit. It, it, it's a fair bet uh, for well, fair bet. Sorry, it's a it, it's a reasonable uh, thing to assume. <laughs> a that, wager, would you say? Yeah, <laughs> it is a reasonable thing to wager that. Uh, uh, sports fans uh, would be into this because they've already shown that um, uh, you know social media activity around uh, around sporting events. You know, tw- people get on Twitter, they get on Facebook, and they they talk noise. Um, so there's there's already that basic level of two device engagement that people have, even when they're watching something on their uh, big TV in the living room, they still have another device open. So um, so they're making a, a a, 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 they're making a very reasonable uh, assumption that people would, uh, you know, hey, why not apply some cash to that uh, <laughs> to to that activity and maybe maybe even win some. That that certainly is a, a a smart way to think about this. 
and also to give Verizon credit, yeah, that YouTube deal with, you know, YouTube TV, I think that's, you know, kind of like what T-Mobile did with Netflix. I think that's the way to go. There's so much competition in this space. Why not just be the network operator and do that well and let somebody else carry the risk of aggregating pay TV channels and, and, you know, delivering, uh, you know, being the front for uh, to consumers and you just take credit for the great network that gets everything there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly the, the, you know, Sprint doesn't have a whole lot of resources and that's certainly the track that they've taken too. They have a deal with Hulu and it can be bundled into the Sprint um, service plan, uh, you know, much like T-Mobile is doing with Netflix. Um, So I, I, yeah, I would not be surprised for Verizon to uh, take an extra step with YouTube TV for a, you know, nationwide mobile um, service that would that would make a lot of sense. Yes, indeed, and there seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of things to talk about in the weeks to come about uh, how pay TV, OTT, video, and five G will all uh, uh, crash and collide. But uh, we'll leave it there for now. Mike, thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. All right, thank you. Well, that is it. That's all we've got. That's our show. This podcast is mixed and edited by Tian Fu, senior producer. He's part of our fantastic New York-based Light Reading video team. You can reach us by emailing editors at lightreading.com or follow Light Reading on Twitter at light underscore reading. For all the articles and research we talked about on the show, please visit lightreading.com and search podcast. The latest article will pop up there. We put all of our show notes in the blog post associated with each episode. The podcast is available on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Please leave us a review on iTunes so I can finally convince my mother that she's not the only one listening. We'll be back with another episode real soon. You there with the headphones, thanks so much for listening. Bye.